0: What if, what if God didn't nail everything down and he didn't nail everything down on purpose? What if you and I are supposed to be marked by love and we're supposed to work out our own salvation rather than having it handed to us in in a box of books, If the Bible were designed to tell us exactly what to do in each situation, it would have to run into many thousands of volumes. So what does it do? It gives us stories. It absolutely gives us commands. It gives us rules. It gives us uh, borders and draw some lines. And it also dumps us into that vast gray area sometimes and says one another. Had to write this down didn't memorize it but in the king james version the phrase one another is found sixteen hundred and twenty five times and they didn't translate it enough they didn't do a good job with it the new american standard version which is not super popular but is a very accurate version it has one another found two thousand three hundred and sixty nine times god intends for this to be a one another religion. And so he designed it this way so that it could survive any culture, any place, and the passage of time. Now, because we're humans, when we move within that gray area, or as we try to approach one of the zeros and ones, if you remember last week, we're going to get things horribly wrong from time to time, such as those Christians that believed their job was to hate the Jews, mark the Jews, cast the Jews, banish the Jews, that was horrifically wrong. That's going to happen, but as Martin Luther King Jr. said, "There's a moral arc of the universe." Toward of the universe, and it moves. And his um, his sermon was toward justice. It also moves toward ethics. It moves toward morality. Uh, you might want to get Hans Rosling book uh, R O S L I N G Hans Rosling, called Factfulness. Um, Hans just passed away recently. But he was a statistician for the U.N. and was shocked when he, every metric he used showed the world was getting better. Uh, I know the media is, uh, the media are fear mongers, they're merchants of fear, so we're politicians, but reality is different. So, that's it. Do we then look at our Bibles as perfect in every way or not? It's hard to because of several things. One of them is because of the way people talked back then is not the way we talk. For example, in Judges, um, no, Joshua 13, 21. uh, Joshua 13, 21. The story is that the Midianites are destroyed. Joshua says they're gone. But in Judges six, just a few generations later, they're so powerful that they have taken over Israel and Israel is now a vassal state of the Midianites. The men of Midian were supposed to be dead and her wives given to the men of Israel over 100 years before. So, is that a mistake? I would suggest it isn't. I would suggest that this is the way war talk is done in Semitic languages. If you remember during the invasion of Iraq, during the first Iraq war, um, there, were, you know, there was a man standing uh, he was the spokesman for uh, Saddam Hussein, standing there saying, all of this is a lie. There are no tanks coming in. The Americans have not entered our country. We have the mother of all battles coming. And behind him, you could see American tanks rolling into the periphery of the city. It's the way they talk. Mother of all battles. The blood will run to. So I don't think it's a mistake. I just, and by the way, we can't do like some people who are errantist. In other words, who say that every word is perfect, without error, and it means exactly to us what it meant to them, which is ridiculous, language changes dramatically. Uh, But we can't say that some survived, because the Bible says they were all killed. All killed. Joshua 10, verse 30, um, but also in 33, 35, and 37. Joshua 10 has four times it says they were all killed. Deuteronomy 20, 16 and 17, says they were all killed. And then less than 100 years later, they've taken over Israel and enslaved it. The con- it's just the way they talk. The conquest narratives show sometimes a lack of knowledge about the 13th century B.C. Uh, and its geography and its history. Why? Because they were written in the 7th century. They were written looking back, creating the history, not out of whole cloth. They're not making it up. They're recalling their history, and they're writing it down. But as they are not eyewitnesses, they got some rivers, mountains, they got some cities, they got some timeframes wrong. So, is it a mistake? Well, you know, if you're going to play by 21st century historian rules, yes. But if you play by the rules of the 7th century BC, no. They're building their story because they needed to get their story done right so that they could then move back in out of captivity, back into the land of Israel, and hold on until the birth of the Messiah. That's something we always miss, it seems to me. And so whenever I put, pick out these things in the Old Testament, I'm not trying to say contradiction, error. Of course they are, because they're human beings moving toward a perfect God, and they're going to stumble. And your view of inerrancy, we're going to cover that this month, by the way, and see exactly where we get it and what different forms of inerrancy there are. And there really are different forms. And so even when you say inerrant, people don't really know which one you mean. All right, that's it. Um, 1 Samuel 17 has David taking Goliath's head to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem was not a city David could have gone to because it was held by the Jebusites and there was no Israelite presence there at all. Our oldest manuscripts, by the way, um, the oldest ones we found, have Goliath at six and a half feet tall, which was kind of a giant to them. Have you ever been down to St. August in Florida? I love Florida. I'd like to get there more often. So our Florida members work on that. Let's get down there and do some um, our safe harbor remotes from Florida. All right. Uh, maybe not in August about most of the rest of the year. Anyway, uh, have you ever been down there and seen the Spanish forts? You have to duck to go in. Now, it's not because they just wanted those, those doors to be closed, you know, rather tight for invaders. No, they were shorter. So 6'5 is a pretty tall guy. By the time the, the Mazarites, or the Mazarites, according to how you want to pronounce it, uh, dealt with the story about 2,000 years later, uh, that height was not impressive. So they added three feet. So is that a problem with our scripture? No. And I, the point of the story is the point of the story. He was a giant to the people. Whether he was six and a half feet or nine feet, it doesn't matter to me. It does not affect the story. Everything in the story still has the same proportions. Um, 1 Samuel 17 actually can be seen to be independently inserted into the text there in another way. Uh, in chapter 16, verses 21-22, David is the armor-bearer for Saul, well-known by him. He's, he's the guy that hands Saul his armor and puts it on him. In chapter 17, Saul doesn't know who David is. They go back, they edit the text. By the way, Jews are not stupid and are not dumb. They know these contradictions. They know these out-of-place things this dyschronia, this uh, anachronism, they they see this, but they're comfortable with it because they understand the point of the story. When you want to run around screaming, every word is God breathed and they just wrote it down and you've gone all the way to the zero or the one there, you have, um, you made the Bible unusable, the Bible flows there are zeroes and there are ones, but it flows in that vast middle, the endless, infinite middle. You can look at 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 19. There's an unknown soldier named Elhanan, who kills Goliath. The writer of the Chronicles, however, was a huge David supporter, by the way. He removed all of the bad information about David. In Chronicles, you're not going to find anything about the seduction slash rape of uh, Bathsheba Um, someone make it a love story but the power differential was just too great there too many things out of line there Uh, all of the murders that David did uh, the casual evil that David did they're all gone they're all gone and so it is it is rewritten in second i'm sorry first chronicles chapter 20 that elhanan killed goliath's brother well once you know that they're built this again 7th century bc and they're building a history to tell their kids so that they can move forward back home and find god and re-establish the temple you understand the point of the story and it doesn't rattle you but if you are insistent on every word dictated by god and written down we got some problems there is um, the wording and meaning of a story is completely changed in one of the Gospels from another Gospel. Just read Mark 10, 17 through 19. I'm not going to do this for you. Mark 10, 17 through 19, and Matthew 19, 16 through 19. Same story, but the wording is changed. To make it come out in a different way. The meaning is changed. Let's just do that. Um, in Mark chapter 15, Jesus has a Passover meal with his apostles before his arrest. However, John has the meal occurring before Passover in John 13 and John 19. And is that okay? Yeah. There's a wonderful little book out there called You're Not as Smart as You Think You Are. You can find it on Amazon, and it is a wonderful book, but it may rattle your cage. When this is being recorded is about a month before you're going to see it, almost exactly a month. I was, uh, but a week ago, I was up in Chicagoland, in the western suburbs, training police officers. We do a, a program called Mental Body Armor, which helps them maintain their ethics, their sense of self, ability to do their job Without um, fudging, without PTSD, without crashing, burnout, that sort of thing. So I'm up there. When we're talking about some of the things they struggle against, one of the things everybody in the room agreed about was one, one of the worst kind of evidence is eyewitness witness, uh, evidence because we rewrite memories as we're making them. Uh, we change things around, and if you're in a group, sometimes the group forms the memories and reforms them. And sometimes they have no version of reality by the time they're done, but that's a human thing. Everybody does it. They're not trying to lie. This John was written, and I believe it was written by the apostle. There are a lot of scholars who fight that, um, and I'm probably in the minority there, uh, and I'm not a scholar. I'm in a minority position, but uh, it just seems so like John. So I, I think this is John. But if I'm correct, then John was writing this in his 70s and 80s when it took place in his late teens and early 20s. So I'm cool with it. Doesn't bother me, because the point of the Passover meal and the point of the arrest are exactly the same. The timing is just a bit different. Um, Passover hadn't even occurred by the time of Pilate, according to, to John because the Jews couldn't enter the palace so that they could remain clean for the meal. That's in John 18, 28. Does that upset me? No, no. I have memories as well that I'm almost certain aren't true, but man, do they feel true to me. Therefore, I I can allow John to have that without thinking God has screwed us over by not giving us a direct dictate, by the way, Have you ever tried to translate another language into English? Or if you do sign language, you know you can't. You know that you have to paraphrase every single thing. How in the world is Almighty God, the master of the universe, going to whisper into a, to pick a guy, a Jewish writer of the Chronicles, one of them, and tell him exactly from God's language to his language, how to write it down so that a 21st century person speaking English in the American South or up in the Canadian um, Rockies can understand exactly what's going on. Detail. Hmm. He can write it, and he did, for us to understand the point, the flow, the morality, the arc, the theme. The details is not what they're interested in. And you find that in all sorts of Semitic language and stories. the uh, <clears throat> the pastoral letters, uh, think of first uh, Timothy, second Timothy, and Titus. These were um, maybe composed and written by Paul. I believe he he did, but you need to know that scholars look at it and go, the language doesn't match the other epistles. And I'll just give you some of the reasoning. He rarely uses the word savior in the books that we know he wrote, like Ephesians, Philippians, and the like, but he uses it throughout the pastoral books. Um, And just to be very open, and again, I, I believe Paul probably wrote them, and it doesn't bother me at all, but the earliest list of Paul's writings, all the way up through 200 AD, long, long after he was dead, more than 100 years after he was dead. The list of Paul's writings don't include 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. So should we abandon them? I don't think so. I think Holy Spirit gave them to us. And whether Paul wrote them directly, uh, or somebody who knew Paul wrote them in remembering what Paul said to, or I see God woven in the story, and I can learn a lot from the story we can do that by the way uh and i've got some i've i've got so much on this we could literally go for hours but i'll do one more and this just because it'll bother you and and i don't mean to bother you but it's an extra treat all right one of the weirdest books in scripture uh, and man that's that's kind of hard to say because you got ezekiel you got Zechariah, and is daniel Daniel starts out with stories, and they're amazing stories. I love those stories. I've told those stories to my kids. I've preached those stories. Lions' dens, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, and and the furnace. I love those stories. And then the prophecies come. And the prophecies are outstanding. And here's the thing. The prophecies are incredibly accurate. To a point. You see, Daniel wasn't written when it was set. It was set in the sixth century BC, but it wasn't written until about 200 years before Jesus. Uh, In fact, it it wasn't written before 167 years BC. How do we know that? Well, um, God's kingdom did not arrive three and a half years after Antiochus Epiphanes. And I've seen gymnastics done by all sorts of premillennialists and all sorts of errantists, trying to make, well, the three and a half really means, and then that extra week and in the middle. And they just do bizarre things and people buy it and they fill up their pages with Bible math. And then you have to start all over again in a few years because it didn't work. The <clears throat> temple was not consecrated 2300 years after the suppression but only after 3 years. Uh, Daniel said Antiochus would be defeated and killed by the Ptolemies of Egypt and then the end of time would come. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. He actually died in Persia. He didn't die in Palestine as David. I'm sorry, Daniel prophesied. So what's going on? It was written as if set in the 6th century and showing how their story of Daniel, who was really their superman, every Jewish kid Every Jewish boy wanted to grow up to be Daniel. Um, And how he he withstood and how strong and how his his prophecies carried them. And it, it worked until they got the prophecies about the future of 167 BC. And they didn't come and it didn't work. It's a book written by humans, by God, same, woven together with a vast gray metal And as we read it, we rightly divide. We handle aright. The word of truth. More next week. If you have questions or issues, patrick at rsafeharbor.com. If I don't answer you quickly, it's most likely because I am absorbed by other things. Last month, I was down with COVID for two weeks, then had to rush up as soon as I was cleared to spend probably the most grueling week and a half of my life in Chicagoland with the law enforcement officers helping them and that happens but you can send me a reminder all right god bless have a great week